God, I hate what's happening with Twitter Live. What a joke. Uh, hello, everybody. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Prospects After Dark. I'm your host, I am Kyle Reese. We're going to have to try to figure something out. God, I hate this. I've got a new camera, too. I don't like that. Uh, oh, boy. What a disaster this is. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Prospects After Dark. I am your host, I am Kyle Reese. On this Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, uh, we have a lot of prospects in the dirty to talk about. Uh, we have uh, Jay Moldy, 1981, says, hell yeah, over on Twitter Live. Now, I will remind everybody who are just, that is, everybody that is just coming into Twitter Live, we are also on YouTube Live. It is a much better uh, experience. I would recommend doing that. Uh, Twitter, we're going to have a message. Uh, you're going to have a much better uh, uh, viewing experience. It's a little bit more interactive. It's a little bit more, um, uh, I, I don't know. I just like the YouTube Live experience quite a bit better. Now, I will say uh, as we get going that uh, I'm very proud of the work that I've put in so far in the Dirty 50. I hope that you've enjoyed it over on Birds on the Black. Uh, I also want to say thank you uh, to uh, Br- Brandon Kiley uh, Tanner Henderson, uh, or Hendrickson rather, to uh, uh, for putting me on the BK and Ferrario show yesterday. That was a ton of fun. I was, uh, you rocking the horseshoe. I am rocking the horseshoe from Springfield, the lucky horseshoes. Um, it was a ton of fun to be on 101 ESPN locally. I, the second time I've been on with those guys, it's a blast. Uh, I hope I gave out good information. I hope I didn't make a fool of myself. And I thank everybody for tuning in and listening to that. Um, I also want to thank Gordon Graceffo and Jason Hill and Blake Newberry for allowing me to be a part of a little Q&A that they did. Uh, that was really exciting. I love that. I was glad to be a part of that. That'll be on the Viva Alberto's uh, Prospect Network um, on their podcast uh, through Jason Hill. And you should check that out. Gordon gave some really great answers. Uh, you know, you can tell right away just from the way that he talks that he's a confident kid with a tremendous amount of poise. And uh, boy, am I rooting for him. You know, it's rare that I find prospects that I begin to root for. Like, I try to stay as calm and collected as possible when we talk about prospects. Uh, And I try to stay as objective as I possibly can. But I'm going to be honest with you. uh, I'm rooting for Gordon Graceffo. This happens very, very rarely. Like, uh, we talked about it a little bit in a tweet a while ago, but like, the, the players I find myself rooting for are Randy Rosarena, you know, uh, before they were before they were major leaguers. So Randy Rosarena, Andrew Kisner, Ryan Helsley, like some of the Brandon, uh, Brandon Donovan, uh, Juan Yepes, some of those guys. Like that's the kind of cloud I think Gordon Graceffo has. So, you know, honestly, like when he is on the Viva Alberto's uh, podcast, you should check that out. Again, hat tip to Jason Hill, hat tip to Blake Newberry for letting me be a part of it. Over on Twitter, Sir Smokes a lot says, "Oh shit, you started." Over to YouTube, I go. Please, again, uh, again, I like. I'll we'll say over and over again. This won't be the only time we say it. I tweeted out the link. We really enjoy the YouTube stream for a couple different reasons. One being because we can put the actual questions up. Like our good friend VHS uh, says, Kyle, you were in the zone yesterday on one on one. They got to kick back and just let you do your thing. Again, I know I get long winded and I try to be as to the point. But I also want to give a very uh, uh, concise um, write-up, uh, uh, you know, um, scouting report, evaluation of these players. And if there's somebody new to me, I don't want them to think that I'm just some hack. So sometimes, especially, I'll get a little bit more long-winded. 
Um, over on Twitter, Mason Shepard. Mason, go over to YouTube. I, I, chased, I, uh, I did that, that link there. If you had to trade either O'Neill or Carlson for starting pitching, who would you choose? It depends on who the starting pitcher I could get in return is. You know, if you – so the thing is we do this thing where we assume that Dylan Carlson has uh, the same value to the Houston Astros that he has to the Oakland A's or that uh, Tyler O'Neill has the same value to the Toronto Blue Jays as he has the Tampa Bay Rays. And unfortunately, that's just not the case, right? Like every team values players differently. So if the Blue Jays were willing to give you Alex Manea for uh, Tyler O'Neill, you do that. But if the they're only willing to give, you know, somebody else for Dylan Carlson, then you don't do that. Or if they're not willing to give something of that caliber, then you then you don't do that either. You have to be willing to adjust. You have to be willing to listen to what you're getting in return. Like if you're asking me which one of those guys I'd rather trade, well, neither of them, honestly. I'm not interested in moving either of them. Uh, I if I if I was going to, if I thought that starting pitching was an area that I needed to improve, I would test the market. I would see whichever one of those guys got me the biggest return, and then that's the one I would move. You know, I know that that's a very fundamental thing. I, I, I know that we want the salacious uh, uh, talk there. You know, you want me to say uh, it'd be Tyler O'Neill. I'd trade him. Dylan Carlson is more value, or Dylan Carlson is more value, but uh, you, you you know uh, he's nothing like Tyler O'Neill. I think they're both going to be very valuable parts of the 2023 St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm only going to move them if it's the kind of deal that makes a lot of sense. And since every team, and I think this is what fans struggle with, especially because of that ridiculous trade evaluator that freaks use online, um, they assume that every team values players the same, and they just don't. They Every team values players on their own individual, uh, based solely on their own individual uh evaluation scale over on youtube live doobie doobie doo five says let's get dirty uh five 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 says let's get dirty baby yeah let's get dirty uh, i hope again that everybody uh, is checking out the dirty 50 over at birds on the black i put a lot of work into that uh, i'm embarrassed by it but i hope that you're enjoying it so please uh if you have any questions about that any thoughts if there's anything you want me to elaborate on if there's anything i wasn't clear about let's go ahead and get after it tony F, I believe our good friend Tony Forcelito says, must have just started. Your shirt is still on. Good to see you, friend. Sounded great on 101 yesterday. Yeah, again, that was awesome. Also, while I'm talking about all the cool things I've been able to be a part of over the last, like, two months, uh, I was uh, able to be a part of Winter Warm-Up. That was one of the coolest things I've ever taken part in. I was a part of the last Winter Warm-Up that was live in person. But this was way cooler. I was a little bit more confident. The post-dispatch riders were awesome. Daniel Guerrero was awesome. The Bens, Ben Fredrickson, Ben Hockman. Hockman was on fire. He was hilarious. Uh, Mr. Gould was incredibly nice to me. Uh, that entire group, uh, uh, Carson Chapley, uh, he was awesome. Um, and then, of course, uh, Brian Walton was great to me. Katie Wu is just world class. Like, uh, yeah, you know, she she exudes personality and she's a great person. You can tell that from the get go. Uh, Jeff Jones was awesome to me. Our good friend Brendan uh, Schaefer, who we love with all our heart, he was awesome. Uh, just a really great experience I got to be a part of. And then I was on that uh, that new Cardinals Conversations podcast with Matt Pauly through KMOX. And I have to tell you, this Matt Pauly is really growing on me. You know, I'm, I love Tom Ackerman with all my heart, but Matt Pauly is right up there with Tom. Great guy, loves the Cardinals. Not to say his shit, but he had to deal with some bullshit in, in Milwaukee. So it makes me like him even more. Uh, just a world-class human being. So uh, to me, by the way, I don't have beer tonight. So what I'm going to drink is this Riesling. <laughs> this is the wine episode of Prospects After Dark. To all of the cool shit I've been able to take a part, be a part of in the last two months, 
uh, between uh, Matt Pauly KMOX uh, podcast, between interviewing Gordon Graceffo with the Viva Alberto guys, uh, winter warm up, uh, and being on 101, and also always talking to the hot take central people um, uh, that I love every morning. I raise my wine. Also, Charlie Marlowe over on Charlie Marlowe's YouTube page is putting up all of those winter warm up. Um, interviews, all those pressers. So check that out. Our good friend Stu Style says, speaking of Graceppo, the suggestion of him debuting from the big league pen is disappointing for multiple reasons. You know, Stu, you know where I stand. I will take the the same platform that I took with Ryan Helsley with Gordon Graceppo. They're starters. They have the chance to be dynamic and special starters. We talked about it on 101. I think Gordon Graceppo is going to be an innings eater. I don't know if we'll have like, I said a Lance Lynn career. I think more what I meant more was like, the Lance Lynn with the Cardinals. I think he could be that. Like, and I know that that's not like sexy. I, I I think he could be more than that. Don't get me wrong, but that was an innings eater who flashed like number two starter potential and who pitched in some important games, dealt with some arm issues, but he was something else. That's what I think Graceffo is going to be. He's going to be a bulldog workhorse who's fiery on the mound that fans are going to love. And if he's if he if he does make his debut in the bullpen, I just want them to give him a fair shake as a starter in 2023 back over on uh, Twitter. Uh, hey, Mr. Jason Hicks is here. Uh, speaking of awesome people, uh, the godfather of, of prospects after dark, Mr. Jason Hicks. I raise my glass uh, to Jennifer, to uh, Jordan, to the whole Hicks family. We raise our glass. You guys rock. You're awesome. I'm drinking wine. How stupid. Uh, Stuart big 99 says, heard you on 101 the other day. was like, I, Hey, I know that guy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's me again. I want to remind everybody that we are over on YouTube live. Uh, check it out. It's a better experience, uh, than, than the, than the Twitter tweets over on, uh, YouTube live. Sarah R says, Hey, cheers, Kyle to you, Sarah R cheers. I'm going to try to get some water because I will tear through that bottle of wine. Like it's nothing. And then I'll be weird hammered with a huge headache tomorrow morning. Thank you for being here, Sarah R. Tom Cook says, Kyle, love the lights. I've been reading a lot on Jack Flaherty for a project and feel pretty confident on a bounce back season. What's your confidence level for Jack this season? You know, I'm uh, I'm pretty confident. I know in my good friend, uh, uh, um, BSIR93, he was quick to say that it's been a long time since 2019 when Jack Flaherty was good, right? Uh, that's four years ago, almost three full seasons since that's happened. And that's that's a fair criticism. Uh, you can't argue that. I think when we talk about bounce back, I think we are talking about something similar to what we saw at the beginning of 2021 before he hurt himself in LA. And I do think that that's possible. I would say I'm 60, 65, 70% confident that he will do something like that. I trust Jack Flaherty. And I know part of the fans don't, and I get it, especially when they start getting injured and you're talking about you know arm issues that aren't going away. So he has to really keep that arm strong and his body healthy. But I, I'll bet on him. We talked about it a little bit, the last Prospects After Dark. People just kind of assume that this is about him making money and it's, you know, uh, cashing in on one final year before he hits free agency. And I don't believe it's that. You know, the little bit I know about this young man dating back to his time at Palm Beach, uh, dating back to the day he was drafted, is that he's an incredibly competitive kid, an incredibly hard worker, and he wants to win. 
And his teammates know that. He knows that. Sure, the fans don't necessarily know that because he's been in and out and in and out with some injuries over the last couple of years. But I do think that the quote-unquote bounce back will be some semblance of 2021. And I do believe as long as he's healthy, that's what we're going to see. Over on, uh, this is Mr. Hicks says, over on Twitter, Mr. Hicks says, that is crazy. You are drinking wine. Now, Mr. Hicks, in my defense, I do not have any beer at home. And I was dealing with some family stuff uh, like I do pretty regularly. Um, so I didn't get to stop and get beer. I came straight from work, straight from my dad's. So tonight, the only thing I had is this bottle of Riesling. I, and I actually have hardcore boost, too. Of course, I have uh, uh, whiskey. I've got bourbon. But we've been trying to scale back during pad because of, of the work implications. Uh, and then, of course, getting to Ashley's tomorrow night. I want to make sure that I am not tired and fatigued. Uh, Dan Chibnall says, you get to have bourbon with one Cardinals prospect. Who's the prospect? What kind of bourbon? And what's the first question? How about this? I'm on a uh, uh, Woodford Reserve double oaked kick right now. So that's going to be the bourbon. The prospect would have to be somebody... You know, honestly, Kramer Robertson, like, I think Kramer would have a good time. And I'm going to be honest with you, like, I'm not pleased with the misogynist in this, but I would love to ask Kramer Robertson uh, how involved in the extracurricular activities he was at LSU, because I'm sure that little dude threw it around, man. I, I just, I'd love to hear those stories. Uh, you know, not just his exploits with uh, nubile women, uh, but also, well, you know, he coming from the background. So my first question to him would be like, what do you think of this booze fella? Uh, and then it'd be like, tell me about your time at LSU, not playing baseball or going to school. I would love to hear about that because I'm sure it was crazy. And again, I'm not proud of it, but it's just something that I would do. Uh, Jacob Fout says, hello, Kyle. Hope you're well. So happy to be back on pad. Love you. What are the most, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in the upcoming MLB and MILB seasons? Jacob, I love you too. Here's some wine for you. <laughs> this is already a disaster what am i looking forward to most i'm looking forward to watching these questions that we have be answered right the five starters in the rotation i'm anxious to see those be answered i'm anxious to see tyler o'neill and dylan carlson and how they can rediscover some of their their charm because i believe that they both will some of their talents uh, i'm anxious to see and i'm glad mr hicks is in here because this reminds me i'm anxious to see how that bullpen shakes out I believe that the Cardinals, I'm worried about Gio Gallegos because of the time and, you know, uh, the, the the pitch clock, all that stuff. But I, I love the Cardinals bullpen, especially from the right side. I worry about the left side, but especially from the right side. I think Hicks and I think Helsley, I think we saw that in the playoff game. Gallegos was between uh, Hicks and Helsley. But I think you have a really great back of the bullpen uh, foundation there. And also, like, Jake Walsh, and like we talked about, Wilking Rodriguez, and Guillermo Zuniga, and Logan Sawyer, and then some of these other prospects are going to find their way up to the major leagues, which says nothing, again, about, and I, I understand people not being excited about it. I'm not saying I'm excited about it or not, but like, I'm anxious to see what Drew Verhagen is. I am anxious to see if he really was compromised by his hip or not. I don't believe he was. I think that's bullshit and probably a story the Cardinals are selling, but we've seen crazier things happen with Cardinals pitchers, you know? I, so, the, all of that, like that's what I'm most looking forward to in the major league season. The, these question marks that people are, we've been arguing about all off season. I'm anxious to see how that plays out. And then as far as the minor league season, it's the same stuff. You know, um, it's, uh, it's the same stuff it always is. Like I'm anxious to see Cooper Jerpy, all three, uh, all four 
of the Collegiate Arms that we didn't get to see make an organizational debut in 2022. I'm anxious to see Raychik, uh, uh, Mouts. Hansen and Jerpy. Like, that's going to be where my intrigue is. We've been talking about it in the dirty. Like, I want to see if Chase, uh, Chase Pinder can put himself in a position to knock on the major league door as a 27-year-old at AAA. I want to see what Chandler Redman and Matt Kaperniak can do and maybe put themselves in a position to make uh, a major league debut as a left-handed bat against tougher righties. I'm anxious to see what role Alec Burleson and Moises Gomez have and at where. Uh, you guys know me. When it comes to the minor league season, I'm all in on all of it. There's nothing that I'm not looking forward to. Uh, even something as as basic as, you know, we, we joke around about Nick Dunn or, or Nora Met, Noah Metlinger. Like, I'm anxious to see where those guys place, where they are. You know, uh, how real Nick Dunn's 2022 at Springfield was. How much of it had to do with repeating that level and being an advanced age. Um, I'm anxious to see how the the – middle infield plays out in the Cardinals organization at the top levels in it with the Cardinals. So all of it is my, is my answer uh, over on YouTube. Uh, AR says Lance Lynn would be an amazing outcome from Graceffo. Think sometimes we as fans have unrealistic expectations of prospects, a fifth round pick becoming a quality two or three starter would be fantastic. Yeah. Even just being a, a you know, what, what Connor Thomas will probably be a swing lefty, although Graceffo is right-handed of course, and they do things completely different, but even getting that out of a fourth or fifth or sixth round pick being a, a swing lefty who spent some time at the majors, some time in the minors might be in the bullpen, might be a starter here and there for a couple of years. That is a great valuable piece. You know, when I say Lynn and the career that Lynn's had, that's definitely an outcome that very few prospects ever have. So I have lofty expectations for him, but they're expectations that I normally don't have for a prospect of this caliber. You know, I'm usually pretty quick to temper expectations for this very reason. Uh, but I, I just think that he has all of those intangibles, and I think he's he can be something special. And I think Lance Lynn was something special. Uh, over on Twitter... Iowa next says, you can say reasons why Cardinals and Tiger parted. If you can say reasons why Kyle uh, Cardinals and Tiger Peterson parted ways. No, you know, I don't really have any information on that. I'll be honest. That was something that took me by surprise. I did not know that that was going to happen. Uh, and I haven't asked about it. I, I unfortunately have kind of stayed out of it. Uh, maybe somewhere down the line. You know, he gets, he's become, he moved from being the double A hitting coach to being like the assistant uh, director of hitting in the minor leagues. And I think it probably has a lot to do with just getting a chance, right? Getting a, getting a chance at a more prominent role to flex his muscles. Forever Cards. Hey, Forever Cards. What's up, brother? How excited are you for the pitching staff overhaul throughout the organization? I am excited. You know, I want to I wanna point out something I've been wrong about. You know, talking to some players, it didn't really seem like uh, Dusty Blake had much of an influence. Uh, but, and you know, while he was on the Major League staff with Maddox. Uh, they could go to him, but he was kind of hands-off. And he would help here and there, but it wasn't that impressive, and nobody really knew what to think. But now we're seeing, talking to all of these major league, or talking to all of these pitchers and catchers and coaching staff, that Dusty Blake has really asserted himself in the pitching coach role. And I am enthusiastically excited to see what that does with the major league pitching staff more than anything else. Now, Tim Levesque is still running what's going on in the minors. And, you know, as are Tim Levesque's people. And Dusty Blake is going to have a huge role to play with that. But I don't think it's going to change so much in the minors. I think that, uh, again, it's frustrating for Cardinals fans, but I don't think it needs to change that much in the minors. I think they just need to continue to work right now 
And what they've always worked on with pitchers is getting them to a point where they can get to the majors. Now, they, they definitely need some type of change to maximize the uh, potentially elite talent that they haven't been doing, like Libertor. Like, it's potentially elite. Somebody just needs to grab that kid and shake him and say, hey, you got to – it doesn't matter what your command is. Your fastball has got to be different. Uh, and it's, you know, same thing with uh, with with uh, Michael McGreevy. They're going to have to do the same thing with him. Uh, and then maybe some other pitchers along the lines. You know, maybe Andre Palante needed uh, uh, a, a change here. You know, Graceffo and Connor Thomas in particular have had most success doing things kind of on their own, although Connor Thomas gets a lot of credit uh, and has given a lot of credit to Maddox and Isringhausen for uh, working his curve and changing his or his uh, his cutter and augmenting his cutter. So it all kind of goes together, right? It all kind of works together. But I'm, ex- I'm just excited to see what this means at the major league level because I think that that's where we're going to see the biggest impact. I think that's where immediately we're going to see Dusty Blake make make an impact right away we, you know hearing Verhagen talk hearing Hudson talk two pitchers that I am not cool about at all I think they're fine at best uh it has me excited for both of them and it also has me excited for the role that Dusty Blake plays in the organization now that he is officially officially the man in charge of the major league pitching staff IONX over on Twitter says more excited for DeYoung or Hudson as in seeing if they rejuvenate themselves. I'm more excited about Hudson because I think pitching is going to be more important. Look, I firmly believe that the young thing is all in his head. Uh, we'll see how that all turns out. Like I said, when I was talking to Matt Pauley, I wouldn't be surprised if in two months he's got that leg kick back. I, again, I think for me, when I hear Paul DeYoung talk, it's not the physical side of, of baseball that's that's got the better of him. It's the mental side of baseball, and I think that's what he has to work through, not the mechanics, because he raked with the same mechanics that he's tried to toy with and screw with. Uh, to me, it's a mental thing. Over on YouTube, Flat Earth Truth says, Kyle, I forgot Schilt's first name yesterday. Is that more indicative of onset dementia or Mike Schilt's forgettable tenure? Uh, hopefully, for the sake of all of us, it's Mike Schilt's forgettable tenure. You know, uh, he had some great moments, right? We had the September run. In 2021, where they, you know, uh, more consecutive wins than ever. In 2019, we had that August that was record-breaking. There were some really great moments. Uh, You know, his shtick got tired. His message got tired. So, you know, it's it's whatever it is. Uh, I think I think you probably have early onset dementia, but you are not wrong for forgetting uh, Mike Schilt's tenure. He was a fine manager who got more credit than he deserved on a national stage for whatever dumb reason, probably because he's an affable, likable guy. Uh, Maybe because he's small and white and had uh, thin arms uh, that everybody felt sorry for. It's really hard to say. Jason Mulvey says, made the switch. It is better. Hello, Jason. Welcome over to YouTube Live. Now, again, if you are one of the few people left over on Twitter Live, we recommend that you find your way over to YouTube Live. Again, it's a much more pleasant experience. I am less in your head, in your face. And uh, we can put the questions up, which I love. Over on Twitter, Snoop Doug says, Big Dog. What's up, Snoop Doug? How are you? Hey, man, thanks for all your support lately, especially with the 101 stuff. My brother Jim says, come to Kansas and enjoy a taste of Angel's Envy Reserve Rye. Uh, bitch face. Jim, you know, I'm fine, bud. I've got booze here. I don't need Angel's Envy Reserve Rye. You know, truth be told, I'm not a big rye fan. I don't like that anise flavor. I like a good anise as you know, because I've been inside of yours, uh, but at the ana- the, like that anise flavor that comes from the rye is not really my thing. Like if I'm going to have a rye, I'm not going to have a rye Manhattan. I'm not going to have a rye old fashioned. I'm going to have a Manhattan or an old fashioned because those flavors are for, in your words, bitch faces. 
Uh, but no, Jim, look, uh, so as soon as I can, I promise I will make a trip to come visit you guys. I, next time Scott comes, if my weekend's clear, I can't wait to see you guys. I love you. I miss you. You're the best. Hey, Jason Hill says, hey, Kyle, love you. Love you too, Jason. So again, yesterday, me, Jason Hill, Blake Newberry got a chance to talk it over with Gordon Graceffo, interview Gordon Graceffo. That'll be on the Viva Alberto's podcast uh, it, through Jason Hill. Check that out. Gordon killed it. Uh, he's just, you know, I talked to him at winter warm-up. Uh, I've talked to people about him over the years. He never stops being impressive. And he's a worker. And it was funny. I'm not going to spoil it, Jason. But at one point, you kind of brought up Chris Carpenter. And he, look, if he has a career, Chris Carpenter, that'd be amazing. Let's let's kind of put that out of our minds. But to give you an idea of the kind of competitor he is, he's not angry on the mound like we saw Carpenter. But he pitches with emotion. And he kind of he kind of loses it on the mound sometimes. He's fiery. He'll strike a guy out. You'll see him go, boom, put him down. And then, like, walk off the mound and be like, fuck this guy. Fuck him. I fucking got him. And I love that shit, man. That we used to see Matthew Libertor do something very similar, not quite to that extent. And when he stopped doing it, he lost the extra juice on his fastball. And I'm telling you, let these kids pitch with emotion because it's a fucking blast to watch. Uh, over, by the way, Jim, again, I love you. Over on YouTube, VHS says, are you worried about Tink's trajectory to the bigs, not giving him enough time to build up enough stamina to be a starter? I fear it's going to happen again. So uh, we, I won't spoil my Marquis and Hess right up on the dirty. Hold on a second. My brother Jim has been dealing with headaches, migraines because of sinuses. And I've been dealing with a hell of a lot of drainage. So I'm a little extra snotty tonight. Uh, so I apologize. I love what the Cardinals are doing with Tink Hentz. I hope they do it with all of their prep drafted pitchers. And I've been thinking about this more and more, right? We are in uncharted territory when it comes to pitchers uh, since minor league contraction, right? Tink Hentz uh, drafted in 2020. The 2021 season was the first year without the low uh, short season levels of the minors. I think that it makes a lot of sense to do it this way, to be careful with, the 20-year-old pitchers that haven't pitched more than, you know, 50 to 100 innings. Uh, I think that what this does is this forces the Cardinals to be a little bit more plotting with his development. And I think, I believe, that that is good for the prep-drafted pitchers. I want to see Alec Willis do the same thing. Remember, there was a time when the short season, those kids, like if he would have been in Johnson City last year, he only would have pitched from June to the beginning of September. He probably only would have got maybe 10 more innings than what he got. And sure, it would have been five-inning stints or six-inning stints, not three. And then, you know, at the end of the year, he was pretty consistent four-inning stints. But I think that there's some, some advantage to this. First off, other than like, forcing yourself to be a little bit more patient with these extremely talented prep arms, I think it makes sense that this is how you augment and change and adapt to the loss of the short season affiliates. You know, Palm Beach is a tough, it's a tough environment. It's a weird environment and it's a tough environment and it's a tough environment to quantify and explain to an audience. It's something you have to see and watch to really be able to appreciate. And I think that this is the right way to do it because if you're, if say, Say they started him at Palm Beach, right? Say that the, he from, from the get-go he was at Palm Beach. That's a lot to ask of an 18-year-old. It's a lot to ask of a 19-year-old. Uh, I I kind of I love this, and I hope they keep doing this with their prep arms. You know, the way I look at it is 
this puts Markevian on a trajectory to get to 100 innings this year between probably high A and double A, which gets to put them on a trajectory to get to 140-ish, 130 to 150 innings next year between double A and triple A. Uh, I, and I think that puts him right where you need him to be come the 2025 season when he's ready to continue to build. I like, as long as he's continuing to build, as long as he's healthy, then I don't have an issue with it at all. Um, over on Twitter, switch to YouTube now, says Snoop Dogg. Again, uh, if you are on Twitter, go to YouTube Live. I'll tweet out that link one more time because I think if I can, hold on, I got to do this. Uh, tweet out that link one more time because I think it's a better a better thing going on there. My brother Jim says, what are the implications of the city of Springfield buying Heyman's Field? Well, I think this, the implications are it'll keep the Springfield Cardinals as the Cardinals affiliate through 2038. I think uh, the, the press clipping and the comments from it say everything we need to know, right? They said the goal is to make that stadium self-sufficient so that they can sell it uh, as soon as it becomes self-sufficient. And I think that's what it would be. You know, I think it would end up being the city of Springfield selling it to an independent owner once they can make some money off of it. I think that parking lot across the street from Hammonds Field has been a big issue over the last couple of years, uh, raising prices and uh, uh, what to do with it. And I think that this allows that to be a little bit more settled and a little bit more attractive if the city eventually decides to sell it. Uh, but I think it also allows the city to pump some money into the facility without it looking like they're just giving out the uh, uh, charity for millionaires or tax write-off for millionaires or billionaires or whatever. Uh, I think that it allows them the chance to spend the money on what is basically a public park now that you pay attendance to, uh, you know, kind of like the zoo, if the zoo was for pay, uh, if the attendance fee for the, the, the zoo or whatever. And I think that that's a, it's a good financial move, a good business move for them. And we'll see where it goes. You know, I, I don't really have, by the way, Team Mystic. I love it. To my brother, Jim. Jim, I'm drinking wine tonight. Uh, to you, Team Mystic. But yeah, look, I think that that's the implications. I think we'll see in four years exactly what it means. God, I'm snotty tonight. Over on YouTube. Hey, Andrew Williams. Hello, Andrew Williams. It says, big respect to BK and Ferrario giving you the platform you deserve in the St. Louis media space. Your recent segment was a great listen and legitimately knowledgeable. Hey, Andrew Williams, uh, I will raise this to you too, my bottle of Riesling, to show just how ridiculous I am. Uh, I I will say thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, BK and Ferrario deserve a ton of credit for that. You know, that's uh, the second time they put me on. It's an honor to be on. Um, you know, BK in particular has been awesome to me. Over the last couple of years, I love talking to that guy. He is world class uh, and I will support him as much as I can. Just like, you know, uh, a high noon over at noon on on uh, 590, Nate Lucas and Bob Ramsey have put me on. It's an honor to be on that, you know, uh, being kind of a auxiliary somewhat member, not auxiliary, but like to be a texter and somebody who works with Charlie Marlowe and talk like it's an honor to be on the uh, uh Hot Take Central on 590 every once in a while. I've been on with Bernie. Like, I, I, it's an honor to be a part of that. And it takes some balls to put some goofball like me on. And all of those people have balls. And they deserve a ton of credit for it. Uh, because, you know, I'm a little bit more unpredictable. And I'm probably going to be a little bit more critical. And I'm going to be educated in my critiques. Instead of just, oh, I talked to this scout. And that's what this scout said. So, to you, to BK and Ferrario. Uh, 
BK and Tanner, I raise my glass. Uh, just awesome. I, I'm humbled by that opportunity. Before we move on, over on Twitter, Sean underscore AT says, Jerpy finished 23 at what level? I'll say Cooper Jerpy finishes 2023 at AAA. And I'll say, even I'll take it one step further, if the Cardinals are having left-handed bullpen issues as they enter the playoffs, because they're going to enter the playoffs in the 2023 playoffs, don't be surprised if Cooper Jerpy is making his Major League debut then. Uh, doobie doobie doo 555 says, watch these pitching prospects get shifted to the bullpen before they get a full shot as a starter. I have, okay, so watching these pitching prospects get shifted to the bullpen before they get a full shot as a starter has been understandable, but a bit frustrating. Chances of Libby or someone else gets a longer leash. Now, you know, Libby hasn't been fully uh, transitioned to the bullpen yet, right? Now, I do wonder, and we talked about this last pad, I wonder if that's the best spot for him. It would force him to get back to some of that velocity, which helps his his fastball and his sinker play up. And I do wonder if that's really inevitably where he ends up. Now, hold on. God, I'm so flummy. It's disgusting. Um <laughs> Uh, so now I guess the question becomes like someone like Zach Thompson. Well, Zach Thompson, is he going to be forced to be a bullpen piece moving forward? And the answer is, I don't really know. Like, I think more than likely, I think Andre Plante probably more than likely, you know, we talked about it with Adam Wainwright and Lance Lynn and, you know, Mitchell Boggs, a uh, different story there, but the Cardinals, Carlos Martinez, the Cardinals used to do this with their, with their prospects, right? They'd start in the bullpen and then get a chance to start. And that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, it, it's, it's the specific prospects that they've done this with. Like, I don't really know if I have a problem with Zach Thompson being a reliever long-term or Andre Plante being a reliever long-term. I think that especially with Thompson's fastball curve combo, I think he's better suited for the bullpen long-term. I think with Plante's whole arsenal, I think he's better suited for the bullpen long-term. But it's guys like Ryan Helsley, who was just like his fastball was the only reason why he stayed in the bullpen. I like that bums me out. Like, we can say whatever we want about Jordan Hicks and how that all worked out last year, but he was never really given a full chance, a fair chance to stretch out as a starter last year. People get hurt, and then at the end of spring training, they're like, by the way, Jordan Hicks is going to start. He's going to be kind of a opener, and then we're going to augment it here and there. Like, he never got that chance. That's not a real chance. That's not a real buildup. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen him get a real chance to enter spring training. You know, instead they committed to go to guys like Dakota Hudson a little earlier. So I, for me, dooby dooby doo, uh, I I I'm with you. The circumstance forces these things for sure, and it is definitely frustrating. But I think that there is a talent identification issue sometimes, or, or a decision making with the talent that you have that kind of hits a wall because of the effectiveness of these pitchers in the bullpen. And that's what I think about Ryan Helsley. It's what I think about Jordan Hicks. I think both of those guys had a chance to be a starter. I don't think they will be now. And it's kind of a shame we'll never see that in earnest. Uh, because that's, you know, last year does not count for Hicks. And we've never seen it with Helsley. And I think that both could have been a dynamic starter if given a proper chance. And, you know, also there was this thing with the former catcher where those pitchers would only be allowed to throw two pitches out of the bullpen and never really got a chance to work on those other pitches until that catcher got hurt. And then the Andrew Kisner got in, started using those pitches, and then they got used a little bit more, but still not frequently enough. So uh, I think... 
that uh, th- that's my thought on all that. I'm just I'm going to repeat myself and repeat myself. Tom Cook, our good friend Tom Cook, says, "How crucial is the season for Matthew Libertor?" You know, I'm quick to say that I don't think any financially controlled player has a crucial season ahead of them. You know, especially someone like him who did get the advanced promotion to AAA after COVID, which was probably too advanced for him. You know, probably has a lot to work on still. Uh, for me, like the only, it's more crucial to fans than it actually is to him. If he would have stayed on the normal trajectory, then he would have been at a high A in 2020, double A in 2021, and triple A in 2022. Uh, and if COVID wouldn't have happened, if the Cardinals wouldn't have got stupid aggressive with him, then we would just now be talking about Matthew Libertor probably like we were last offseason. So he's controllable. He's cheap. It's not really crucial for him. I would say next year, as you get into, uh, uh, you know, other things, as you get into, like, starting to talk about arbitration, then it becomes crucial for both him and the Cardinals. But I don't think it's really crucial for him. I think that's more of a talking point for fans. And I get it. You know, just like, is it crucial for Zach Thompson? No, I don't think so. Andre Pallante? No. No, I don't think so. Is it crucial for Dakota Hudson? Yes. For Drew Verhagen? Yes. But these prospects with very, like, Nolan Gorman? No, I don't think it's crucial for Nolan Gorman. I'll go as far as to say it's not crucial for Burleson or Gorman, or Brendan Donovan. Uh, it is it is crucial for Tyler O'Neill and maybe even Dylan Carlson, but to a lesser extent. Um, and, uh, you know, Tommy Edmond again, like, even though Tommy Edmond's secure, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I think. I, I don't think that it's crucial. I think that he'll get every opportunity to make a major league impact, to make a big league impact, and to do it in whatever role presents itself. And I'm excited about that because I really do think that there's a chance, and quote me on this, store this one to memory that there's a chance that we might have a dynamic relief pitcher here. If the Cardinals are willing to commit to him throwing those breaking pitches 60% of the time, you know, 60 to 70% of the time um, and an increase in velocity. Caleb Noble over on YouTube says, do you think Gorman is going to play more second base than most are expecting? I think they'll look to use Donovan versatility to give Golding uh, Arenado DH days relatively often. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think we'll definitely see more Gorman at second base. At winter warm-up, he didn't seem like he was working out in any other positions except for second base. It seems like the Cardinals understand that Brendan Donovan is valuable to them as a player that can move all around the diamond. It's not just about Arenado and Goldie. I, I would suspect that he's going to give them time. He's probably going to get some time out in the outfield uh, and also some time at second and tougher matchups. So, yeah, look, I think I think you're going to see a lot of Nolan Gorman if he has a good spring at second base to start the season with a chance to fail at the major league level. Uh, over on Twitter, IONX says, you've been able to go to many Blues games. I think I've only been to one this year. Normally, my brother Scott and I go to more, but I have not. Uh, I have not been there just yet. I have, we haven't gone nearly as much this year. And it's not because they're bad. I just wasn't like into it from the beginning of the year. Uh, I just got too much stuff going on. And then when I get a one night off between, you know, taking care of my dad and writing about prospects and doing all that stuff, like, and then spending the weekends uh, out of town uh, with my girlfriend, like I, I do not have the time to spend at uh, Scott Trade or Savas Center or whatever the fuck that thing's called, Enterprise Center. So I have not been to many games, no. Uh, Ralph Lifshitz BB says, Cooper Jerby, 2023 Cy Young. 
That'd be incredible. He comes to spring training and he's so good that they're like, all right, he's going to start. Everybody else figure it out. And he just like 225 innings, uh, 31% K rate, 4% walk rate, just killing it. Uh, that'd be incredible. Not letting up any home runs. Hey, our good friend Clayton Pitcock says sports radio would be fantastic with F-bombs, alcohol, and anal innuendos. Yes, to my good friend Clayton Pitcock, to his son Cameron, who just signed a letter of intent to play baseball at JUCO. Uh, we raise our glass to the Pitcock family. I love these people. I've known them now for probably close to a decade, I would think. Somewhere around there. Uh, eight to seven to ten years at this point, I guess. Uh, to them, I raise my glass. They're awesome. Congratulations, Cameron, and to you, Clayton. Truth be told, Cameron was very frustrating sometimes because you could tell how good he was and how he just, his dad would say this, kind of dicked around on the mound a little bit here and there. And I was really rough on the prior group that I had coached. So when I got to this group, I was a little bit more laid back. And I didn't, I wasn't as assertive with Cameron, which worked out better for him. Cause then when he finally got to be with assertive people and Clayton's a better coach than I am anyways. Uh, but and Clayton was an assistant coach, coach, assistant coach uh, for me when I coached that little league team, uh, along with Tim Grant, who I love with all my heart and the Grant family. Um, but uh, anyways, Cameron to see Cameron turn himself into this is really awesome. Uh, just a great kid from a great family. And I really do love those, those people with all my heart. VHS says, are there any prospects who underperformed last year that you suspect were battling injury? Boy, this is a tough question for me to answer. Um, how about this? How about this? Let's let's go about this a different way. How do I want to go about this, VHS? This is it's tough. It's up. This is what I'll say. How about this? Uh I think that there are some prospects in the organization that will have a better 2023 than had a better 2022. Uh, I think that you're going to see, now this wasn't, again, none of the, I'm not going to say if any of this stuff was injury related, but I think you're going to see a more consistent Chandler Redmond. I think that you're going to see the second half Chandler Redmond throughout the entire season. You know, I think that uh, it's going to sound stupid, but I think we'll have a better indication of Griffin Roberts finally. You know, he was coming off with some pretty serious injury issues and then he made a bullpen debut that was brutal, but you could see how good his stuff was. I think we'll finally, finally know what Griffin Roberts is because I don't think we do yet, other than uh, wire act of a relief pitcher who walks too many. Um, you know, I think some of the prospects that kind of lost some luster weren't injury related, like Luke and Baker. I think he's prospect thirty or thirty-one on the dirty. Like he's just he's not. He was just a portion off. Like he was just a fraction off last year from what we saw the year before. And I think that that's trying too hard to impress. Uh, you know, I know that some of the older arms that are no longer in the organization, I know that a lot of those guys battled through injury uh, and, and fatigue. And uh, so that, like, that's my answer on a very fundamental, like underperforming prospects from last year who maybe took a step back in the rankings. Like, I don't know anything about Connor Lunn. He's not on my dirty 50, but I wondered all year if he was battling some injury because he looked different. Uh, he could be a guy worth worth keeping an eye on. Um, my brother Jim says, interesting thoughts on a minor league pitchers being stretched. Yeah, and I don't know if I said it. I'm sorry if I if I did not say it. Uh, but remember, there also used to be a time when with the in the Jeff Lunau days of the Cardinals organization where there were piggyback starts at the lower level of the minor leagues. And this kind of aligns with that. You know, like, 
it's kind of a piggyback start for him, but over a short period of time. My brother Jim goes on to say, I wonder if the organization's lack of investment in free agents starting pitching didn't force their hand. Now, uh, okay, so here's the thing about the Cardinals' organizational lack of uh, uh, investing in free agents starting pitching. They aren't willing to give long-term contracts to starters because the one that they chose, it didn't turn out good with Mike Leake, right? And then all those other pitchers that are high dollar are too high dollar, like, say, Carlos Rodon especially when you're talking about arm issues, right? So they go and they get Steven Matz, who costs 444 whatever, four years, $44 million. And that's a modest contract for somebody that you know is probably going to get hurt, but you're hoping will eat innings. Uh, for me, the adjustment that they've made isn't starting pitching. It's the development of relief pitchers at the minor leagues and the drafting of relief pitchers because they've had so much fault and they, they like, I mean, we've heard John Mazzella talk about it before. He's admitted to it. He's really bad at signing uh, major league relief pitching free agents. He does it terrible. He's awful at it. They're terrible at identifying those guys, and they give the wrong guys contracts. And because of that, now they have to force their starting pitchers at the minors into that role, and they have to stay in that role. So now what we've seen them do is we've seen them draft some really interesting right-handed specific and also left-handed. I'm not giving Hayes Heineke and Chris Gerrard and John Lynch – uh, not to be confused with your beloved John Lynch, the former safety for the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think he also goes by Jack Lynch. Um, and uh, John Beller and Levi Prater and uh, 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 Nell Free Rodriguez. And uh, like they've got lefties now that can be long-term relief pitchers, but a lot of righties. And that's going to allow them a chance to really develop the starters. So I think I think it's more that route than the other route, Jim. But you're on to something. Yeah, the, the lack of success that they've had signing relief pitching free agents really plays into both how their starters, how they develop starters, and they've developed relief pitchers. Bo Barton says, Moises Gomez seems like one of the most fun wild cards going into the season. Not really a question. Just interested in hearing your thoughts on wild card is the perfect way to put it. You know, we talked about... Uh, um, we talked about Mr. Gomez a little bit on the uh, on BK and Ferrario. And yeah, look, he's a wild card. Sometimes he's dynamic and other times he's he's absent-minded. We've seen him get picked off at first a couple times. We've seen him miss a bunch of cutoff men. We've seen him throw the ball over the second baseman's head. We've seen him take bad routes out in right field. We've also seen him throw guys out, uh, making throws that a lot of other outfielders in the minors can't make. We've seen him make great plays diving around out in the outfield. And we've seen him crush the ball. To call him a wild card is the perfect description of Moises Gomez and what you might get. Now, I've been quick to tell Cardinal fans that I view Moises Gomez as more of a uh, Jose Adolis Garcia, Jag, Adolis Garcia type. I think that that's what he'll end up being. Now, I don't know if that fits the Cardinals' philosophy. I don't know if that's going to work out for them. I think that more than likely he finds that in another organization. But we also know that he's going to come to spring training with every opportunity to earn DH at bats in a battle with Juan Yepes. And I'm anxious to see how that goes. Like I'll take Juan Yepes all day, every day in that battle. But if Moises Gomez is hitting dingers and he looks like he's going to continue to hit dingers, then you give him at bats as soon as you can. There's no reason for this to like, there's no reason this guy needs to develop anymore. He is who he is. He's as developed as he's going to be. It's just a matter of how that's going to transition into the major leagues. You know, he also might be just stupid enough uh, that he's stupid in a thick-headed way 
that he's going to have success at the major leagues because he's not going to overthink his at-bats. He's just going to be himself. My brother Jim says, into having a lack of patience with prospects to eat innings from the pen rather than having patience. And Jim also says, and letting them stretch out in AAA like Helsley or Hicks. Yeah, like you know, that was a whole different thing, right? Because Helsley was stretched out. It's just that they, they called to him uh, in the bullpen first, and he stayed there. And then with Hicks, that was – he came to spring training. It was so good that they put him into the bullpen. And same thing kind of happened with Andre Pallante. Pallante was more the the Helsley, where he had double-A and a, a small bout of triple-A inning and uh, then found his way into a major league bullpen. Uh, I think really a lot of times it comes down to the circumstance, but I, I stand by my um, my initial point, and I think you say it down here in a second, that it's just a matter of the relief pitching sorting itself out and having some consistency and allowing those starters to develop. The Grave of Einstein says, I'm seeing all the prospect lists come out from 2023. Are there any you particularly agree with. Look, I want to say that over the years, I've really come to appreciate other people's prospect lists. Now, when I first started doing this, I wouldn't read them. I wouldn't look at them. And candidly, the reason I started doing this in the first place is they were all so fucking bad, except for Cardinals Farm. That was always pretty good. Uh, They were all so fucking bad that I was like, I used to get so frustrated. And then you look at comps and they compare Charlie Tilson to Mike Trout, or they'd compare Jack Ramsey to uh, uh, Matt Kemp. And I'd be like, I would get so frustrated and so fucking angry. And it used to make my blood boil. And now it's not really like that because of data. It allows for some troubleshooting. You know, I think, I think that people who don't get to watch the teams every night, I think they miss some things. Like I love Jeff, Jeff Ponce who writes for Baseball America, founded Prospect Live. I love Prospect Live. Hat tip to Trevor Huth and uh, uh, Matt Thompson and all of those guys, Tyler Jennings. Like, I love all of those guys with all my heart. But, you know, I'm lucky that I'm not influenced by anybody other than myself. People don't have that advantage. Like, you know, listen to the Baseball America uh, Cardinals Top Prospects podcast. It just came out. Uh, uh, You'll understand really quick how outmatched Kyle Glaser is uh, from Jeff Ponce. Ponce is on a different level. The the game feels like it's passed up Kyle Glazer quite a bit, although I give him credit because he did notice that Matthew Libertor's fastballs are trash and uh, Ponce is a little too into the data there. He's kind of losing uh, focus on the actual scouting of it all. But Ponce is awesome. And I really appreciate and respect what he did, even if I don't agree with how he did it and where, like how it all shook out. I think he's underrating... Uh, uh, I think the data is kind of hurting his um, ability to see some of the things like between the lines. But Ponce is awesome. Now, Sam Dykstra and what they're doing at MLB Pipeline, that used to be atrocious, terrible. And they're doing great work now. Is it? Do I agree with everything they're doing? No, no, absolutely not. But they're doing great work. Look, Prospects Live has their own thing. They're awesome. So to answer your question, I'm seeing all these prospect lists come out in 2023. Are there any that you particularly agree with? I'm going to say no, but I will say that that's not a bad thing anymore. I would say three years ago, it was a bad thing, but I think prospects live in particular has kind of changed the prospect evaluation forum and it's kind of pushed everybody. And then because of what prospect live has been able to do, like all of a sudden Jeff Ponce is at baseball America, pushing their game, taking their game to the next level. You know, Baseball Prospectus still does good work. Uh, And then Pipeline is doing 
better work than they ever have with with smarter evaluators. You know, Callis and uh, um, Callis gets a lot of attention, as does Jonathan Mayo, and they deserve it. They're great guys. Callis is awesome, but it's guys like Sam Dykstra who have helped elevate it, and Sam gets a ton of credit. So that's my thought. I think that I think that. Oh, and also uh, 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 Eric Longenhagen at Fangraphs. You know, he does all that shit by himself. And that's a big ask. And he does a really great fucking job with it. So hat tip to him. Because while that is a list that I always tend to agree with the least, it's also the one that opens my eyes the most. So take that for what that is too. And I think that that's important. You have to uh, always be learning in this. And as I see he just entered, I'm going to go down. I'm going to skip ahead. Our good buddy Kareem says, how's it going, Kyle? Wish I could have been here sooner. Kareem, to you, brother. Uh, I wish you could have been in here sooner. I'm glad you're here now. Come and go as you please. You know how it is. And then he says, Jeff Ponce is awesome. I agree. Uh, to you, uh, Kareem, I raise my glass. Now, my good friend Kareem and his good friend Cardinals Reeks are going to put out their top 12 prospects in the Cardinals organization. I'm going to try to pimp that all day if I can. I got a busy day tomorrow. But I cannot wait for it, brother. The work that you've been putting in is uh, is great. Keep it up. I'm going to go back up because Sarah Ann says, did you skip my comment on Twitter and why? I didn't see your comment on Twitter. Where are you at, Sarah Ann? I think Twitter's uh, Twitter is blocking you, Sarah Ann. Apologies. My brother Jim says, right, love you, 99. Jimmy, I love you, bud. Tell those kids I love them. Uh, tell Amber she's awesome. And tell Renly he's awesome, too. VHS says, for anyone who missed it, your BK and Ferrario segment is available as a standalone segment on both Spotify and the 101 podcast page. Yeah, go to uh, the, uh, the search BK and Ferrario, F-E-R-R-A-R-I-O, and uh, give it a listen. Look, I'm going to try to be selfish here. This is something I never do. If you listen to that shit and it gets a lot of clicks, I'm going to get the opportunity to go back on that. And honestly, that is a thrill of a lifetime for me. Uh, this is what I've always wanted to do. I, uh, even though I don't like want to do it, it's exactly what I've always wanted to do. And getting to talk with those guys and feel like feeling like I can actually inform and create a different perspective and help people see the whole picture. It means a lot to me. So please go back and listen to that. Same with Matt Pauly, uh, the Cardinals conversations, listen to that. It would mean the world to me and you should definitely do it. And also, you know, I'll be honest with you. I missed some things. There were some things that bugged me after that, that I, you know, I'll never listen to that again, but like, I want a chance to prove that I'm better than I was. Cause I don't think that I was particularly good. I think that I left some things out that I really would have liked to have touched on. And hopefully I'll get that opportunity. And if you click on it, I might actually get that opportunity. Jason Mulvey says, Chip Carey, cool or nah? Now on uh, on KMOX last night with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne, he talked about how his father probably conceived, his father and mother probably conceived him in Sportsman Park. And as anybody who's ever watched an episode of Prospects After Dark will attest, there's nothing I love talking about more than where we are conceived. I was probably conceived in a lab. I think we can all probably agree on that. Uh, I love knowing that Chip Carey came, uh, well, I guess that Harry Carey II came in Sportsman's Park, and that helped create Chip Carey III, or Harry Carey III, Chip Carey I, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, but yes, I love that. And I also love that he calls out terrible shit on the broadcast. For many, many years, as great as Dan McLaughlin is, and I do not mean this as Dan McLaughlin slander, he's created enough slander on his own. That I hated how positive he always was. I hated the fact that that broadcast never had any criticisms at all. 
again, the only criticism that was ever levied during a Cardinals broadcast was about stats, modern stats, and how stupid those fans are. Uh, and Dan McLaughlin did it. Brad Thompson does it a lot. He needs to watch his shit because that's my only complaint about him. Other than that, he's great. Uh, and Edmonds is the fucking worst. So I think that, uh, yes, I, I will say cool for now, cool for now, but with the potential to be no pretty quickly. I just, I don't want another bastard who fucking uh, talks down on stats because he's not smart enough to understand them or will not take the time to understand them. Not because he really thinks they're not valuable. It's just, look, I was one of those assholes and I am still one of those assholes who is not smart enough to understand all the advanced stats. I'm, I've been trying to be honest with people about this for years. Do I, I am trying my hardest to learn. I was at my worst. My criticisms of those stats were at my worst when I did not understand them. I was scared of them. I was scared of what that meant for my intelligence level. And I talked down on them because I didn't want them to outgrow my understanding of the sport. Now, we see people do this in society a lot with parts of society that they don't understand. This shit happens with baseball, too. So that's what matters to me. If Chip Carey can be cool and fun and talk about uh, 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 his dad coming inside of his mom and then nine months later him coming out of his mom's vagina, uh, then I'm all about it. Like, let's get into that. I, I will turn down the minor league, the three minor league games I'm listening to, to listen to Harry Carey the third uh, talk about coming out of his mom's vagina 24-7. But I will not listen to some asshole uh, first off, cater to Jim Edmonds. That cannot happen. It'll probably happen at first. He'll get an entire season to work through that. But also talk down on stats that are helping to define the effectiveness of players at the major league level. Uh, again, Kareem, you're the best. Shawnee says, do we see Mike Antico debuting this year? Now, I will say this. There is a chance that we see Michael Mike Antico, uh, St. John's and Texas legend, make a major league debut this year. I, would, I can see a spot where at the end of 2023 – Mike Antico has the Ben Deluzio role or, and I look, we wrote about this in his dirty 50 write-up go to birds on the black. Now uh, we've only released on Twitter pro, up to prospect 35 or 30. I think 35 Caperniak was the last one we released. I have them all the way up to 19 on birds on the black. Now I have an issue because prospect number 18 is Inohan Paniagua and uh, that fucking wicks the host of the website, uh, Birds on the Black website, deleted that entire write-up. So I have to write that thing from scratch and then edit and go into it. And I'm hoping to do it on Saturday, but that's probably the only time I'm going to have time. So uh, anyways, I am hopeful that we'll get Paniagua's out uh, as soon as possible. But yeah, look, I think that there's a chance that that's the role that Mike Antico plays for the Cardinals. Now, they don't have to add him to the 40-man. And that's kind of something that they had to do with Ben Deluzio if they were interested in keeping him past this year, which they were they were not which they did not do, uh, but it was something I had to consider. And yeah, look, that's going to be, if Mike Antigo makes it to the majors, it's going to be in that role, but there is a chance. I wouldn't call it a great chance, but I think that there's a chance. VHS says, what's your opinion on Jordan Walker's speed? Tall guys can be deceptive. And I've seen him rated all over the spectrum. Look, he's clunky rounding the bases, right? And he still has some, uh, not, not agility, but he still has some harsh movements out in the outfield. And again, if you're on Twitter, I'll remind you we're on YouTube live. That's the better experience than Twitter live. And that's why there's so many people. That's why more people are over on YouTube live than Twitter live. But uh, so what I'll say is I think he's faster than people give him credit for. Like he's not a 60. He doesn't have 60 speed. And he's probably, you know, he's probably a 
50 speed is currently constructed, but a 40 base runner, something like that. Uh, he's shown the ability to be 50-50, I think, uh, but it's not consistent. I think one of the things I, I would assume he's worked on is that, you know, we talked at winter warm-up, he talked about uh, working with Mason Wynn a little bit to be a little bit more athletic in that in that part of his game. Uh, look, I, when he's burning, when he's going first to third, like that, that's when he flashes 60-grade speed. If he's going first to third, it's 50 speed with 40 run, you know, like it's a, it's a tough and it's not because of his size, but it's just like the mechanics of it all. It's a tough evaluation to give it, because of the consistency and how each individual um, requirement changes his speed. He's in the outfield. It's weird. Sometimes he takes, you know, again, and this is the area where Jordan Walker just was not major league ready. Even at the end of the Arizona fall league, not even close. He takes weird routes. He gets weird jumps. His footwork out in the outfield is weird. Sometimes he gets choppy. Sometimes he overruns balls. Again, nothing that's that is not a criticism. It's actually as good as he was for what he had to go through and then kind of being forced into an outfield role, even though he had just gotten some like reps here and there. Like he handled it extremely well. He really did. And he was further along than he probably should have been. He's still not close though to being a consistent outfielder. So, like getting to a ball on a line, he's good at. His footwork going back is slow. Footwork going forward is slow. It's choppy. Going side to side, you can see that like first to uh, a home to first quickness. Uh, but yeah, like that is my evaluation of his speed. I think that's why you see it kind of all over the spectrum. I think first to home or home to first, rather, I think it's probably close to a 60. If you can put his head down and get down, I think you'll be surprised. Uh, not always, you know, late in the game, it's not a 60. But I think the, the, I think I'd put like, 50 grade speed, 40 grade base running speed with a 50 grade base running intelligence that flashes 62. VHS, I have no idea what I just said. I'm sorry. Austin Parsley says, thoughts on Kylie McDaniel from ESPN putting Jordan Walker at 14th. Is he being a silly goose? Uh, First off, Austin Parsley says, silly goose. And do you, silly goose, I'm going to raise my glass of Wraithling. God, I hope that wasn't uh, – uh, anyways, how terrible. God, how terrible. Anyways, look, I don't have a problem with it at all. If you want to know the truth, I don't have a problem with it at all. Now, I don't know his reasoning, so I'm not going to get critical of it. I don't subscribe to ESPN Plus anymore. Uh, Kylie McDaniel does great work. I'm not going to criticize him. I should probably subscribe now so I can read the damn list. But just like with my list, like just like the dirty, right? Uh, I think sometimes we get caught up in the ranking of it all, right? So like, for instance, for me, prospects 26 through 35, like begins with Pedro Pajes and ends with Matt Kaperniak. Prospect 36 is Wilfredo Pereira. Uh, 37 is Guillermo Zuniga. 38 is Nick Trigolik-Iverson. And I mean, really, in that group, 26 to 38, that could really be in any order, right? When you're talking about the top prospects in baseball, more than likely prospects one, two, and three, they're probably pretty set. And then three through 10, they're probably pretty set. Sometimes it's three through 20. Sometimes it's three through 15. Without seeing Kylie McDaniel's list, I can't say where I, where I, how I feel about Walker being 14. You know, I think, I think even at 14, that's a potential superstar. And I think, Fans don't really realize that. 
I think it's probably the most realistic of them all. That's not to diminish what Jordan Walker is. I just think, you know, if I'm trying, if I'm playing devil's advocate to him being a silly goose, I would say, well, he's still learning a new position that he's still very raw at. He's still big. He still has an interesting chase rate um, and, you know, maybe some play discipline issues. And you can, you can project him there. You could say 14, but think about it this way. Don't think about Jordan Walker is 14 and if it's a slide or not. All of these very smart people have him as 14 as their floor. Dylan Carlson had like 32 as his floor. You know, uh, that that should give you some indication of the talent that Jordan Walker has. I think sometimes what we do as fans, especially with hitting prospects, what I've always been really bad about that I've tried to course correct is talking about a hitter's ability to hit. Uh, because we live in a fantasy a fantasy baseball world, a fantasy football world. And that's really what we pay a lot of attention to. That's also where the data is. That's also where we learn. That's that's the easiest part to measure. So we're, we're more interested. We're more inclined to take on that information. But everything is everything else is really important. And he's a good base runner, a smart base runner, who and who's coming along in the outfield. But he's not there yet. So I think it's reasonable to be maybe a little bit more cautious with him, like Kylie McDaniel is. Kareem says, need a 101 ESPN Kyle Reese show. Kareem, if it ever happens, brother, I, I promise that you and Blake and Reek, I'm going to have you guys on on a rotation. You know, hopefully Brian Walton would take uh, take part in that. I would love that. You know, Jeff Ponce, uh, Matt Thompson, Trevor Huth. Uh, I would I would love that. You know, uh, those guys aside, I've created so many great contacts and uh, uh, Trevor, uh, 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 Eric Longenhagen, like, I would love to get all these guys on, have like an hour show on a Sunday, something ridiculous, and just like, bullshit, do the PG-13 rated version of Prospects After Dark. Uh, I think that would be incredibly appealing, uh, even for a ridiculous slot like that. Uh, it's just a matter of somebody taking a shot giving me a chance to prove that this little bit of broadcast uh, education that I have, broadcast journalism education I have, can translate. Uh, the Grave of Einstein says, but also, Kareem, thank you for the support, man. Um, thank you for the support. Grave of Einstein says, I was listening to you on the radio as I went to interview for a job at a radio station. Thanks for the prep. Hey, to you, Grave of Einstein, good luck. I hope you get the job that you were looking for. Uh, to everybody, and look, to everybody who's working, who's grinding every day through their full-time job, I raise my glass. And to everybody who's looking for their dream job or looking to better themselves in another job, we raise our glass. Which brings us to Sarah Ann, who has been very excited about her new job. Congratulations, Sarah Ann. What I, what I had said was, when are you going to grow up and do the Dirty 69 like the people want uh probably next year no so to be honest with you doing 50 write-ups sucks it's terrible and i hate it but next year we'll do the dirty 69 next year it'll be the dirty 69 sarah i promise uh, again if you're new over on twitter we are over on youtube live it's a better experience uh yeah i promise you'll enjoy it a lot more the grave of einstein says honestly i prefer Edmonds over brad just because he isn't as much of a homer yeah he's a so I will say this, right? Edmonds is not as much of a Cardinals homer, but Edmonds is a homer for himself. And it is frustrating. Now, he he's earned that right because he's an all-time great baseball player. And he does know more about hitting than probably any human being on earth. Uh, but the problem is, 
he doesn't understand why people struggle. He doesn't know how to relay that. And he looks like an asshole often. Uh, Grave of Einstein said he is an idiot for sure, but it's offset for me because I find it so damn funny. Yeah, see, that's the key with Edmonds, right? Is if you can just sit back and I have trouble with this. If you can sit back and like, just be like, listen to this fucking asshole and then get the tips that he's talking about, then you really do uh, learn something. Cream says, wishing the Cardinals wish the Cardinals hired a younger, more modern play-by-play guy, but Kerry should be refreshing nonetheless. Yeah, me too, Kareem. Me too. I know we talked about it. You know, Goldsmith would have been awesome. I wish my guys, uh, Alex Coyle and Jack Keffer for Memphis would have got a chance. Um, Andrew Bookbinder, Bookbinder uh, at Double um, uh, A, he's really good. Uh, I think he would have been a good call. Maybe a little bit more inclined. But look, yeah, I'm with you. I just, I want something a little bit more goofy. I want something a little bit more critical. Um, and I think that, uh, I think it's just a matter of him settling in and hopefully just kind of being himself and not living up to the, not trying to push himself to the pressures that Cardinal Nation provides. Kareem brings up a good point. He says, Mike Antico has legitimate power upside. And it's interesting, right? Because his swing is meant for loft. And what we saw at the end of the at the end of the 2022 season between the AFL limited AFL at bats and the Double A at bats was we saw him get into his power. Now, to me, Kareem, when I watch him, it seems like one of those quote unquote intent things. We saw him swinging harder, and we saw that loft, that natural loft in his swing, instead of being lazy fly balls, which is what we saw early in the year. Uh, we saw him drive those a little bit more. So I think if he's still identifying pitches, then you're right. There, like there is untapped power potential in his swing. Now his swing is funky, especially when you watch it from behind. It's got its own path and its own trajectory, and it doesn't really look or feel like anything you've ever really seen before. And I think that that's gonna that's tough for me to evaluate. Like I'm, I do, I do a lot of my evaluation based on things I've seen in the past. So I, like I, I have trouble evaluating that swing i think it's funky i think he's a little bit too too i guess stiff in his 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 rotation um i i think that kind of hurts him maybe if you can find some athleticism a little bit more athleticism in his upper body it might help him get to that power a little bit more consistently but i think that the intent has changed for him uh and if he can continue to find that intent he's more than just a ben deluzio or uh adron chambers he could be a legitimate harrison bader replacement with maybe even a little bit more practical power, but that's that's far away from now. He still has a long way to hey, a long way to get there to get it. Blake Newberry says, "Our good friend Blake, to you, Blake again, uh, Jason Hill. I was fortunate enough to listen to uh, Jason Hill. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I got distracted. I was fortunate enough to be with Blake Newberry and Jason Hill from Viva Alberto's as they interviewed Gordon Graceffo yesterday. That'll air." Uh, through their podcast, the Viva Alberto Jason Hill podcast on Sunday. I hope you check it out. Gordon killed it. He was great. Uh, I monopolized the conversation. I, I I, would really, really like to apologize for that. I mean that. Uh, it was kind of awkward because the three of us, you know, it's on delay and we're Zoom meeting. And every time there was a break, I kind of panicked. And I wanted to be like, I wanted to jump in because I didn't want Gordon to think that we didn't have a question. And we didn't really have any cues about when we were going to ask questions. So it was a little weird. And then I kind of spoke over those guys and they're smarter than I am. And I, I definitely should not have been that. And I apologize for that, but I love Blake, but he asked me my early opinion on dusty Blake. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, Blake, but like 
for me, it's all positive. When you hear Wilson Contreras, who's brand new, talk about Dusty Blake and pitchers in the minors and pitchers in the majors and established pitchers like Michaelis and uh, Wayno, and then the pitchers that we have serious worries and can, questions about, like Matt and Hudson and Verhagen. When you hear them talk about him, it all seems positive, and they all talk about how great of a communicator he is. For me, this feels a lot like going from Mike Schilt to Oliver Marmol. You have a better communicator. You have a better tactician. You have a better uh, a better player manager, honestly, a better manager all around. And I think that's what we're doing with Mike Maddox to Dusty Blake. Like, what's Mike Maddox except for, like, Mike Maddox went to the perfect place for him, the Texas Rangers, where they are stuck in 2023 or 2013, I mean. Like, 2013, like, that's – yeah, that, that's perfect for him. That's where he is. That's where he belongs. Back in uh, the days when Nelson Cruz was letting five balls uh, cut over the top of his head and, and losing a World Series. So that's my thought on Dusty Blake. I think it's a good start. I think I will hold off having a really solid thought until I see the gains that Dusty that uh, Dakota Hudson has made. Until I see the gains that Drew Verhagen has made. Those will be the two big ones. And also to see how these guys adjust in season and how he helps them adjust in season. Kareem says that they have a 55 run grade on Jordan Walker. And I, look, I can't argue with that. He was clocked at 29.9 uh, feet per second in the AFL. Again, that's when he has that direct line speed, it's something else. It's just, it gets really clunky when there's other motions involved. I, I'm with you. I think that that's a great grade. AR1897 says, can you just a bit of a lowdown on Leonardo Bernal? He seems to be a really impressive young catching prospect. Yeah, look, so Bernal was um, the Cardinals' best international signing. Uh, I guess one of the Cardinals' more expensive international signings in 2021. I believe, uh, as Jeff Ponce brought up in the Baseball America podcast, that he signed for the highest bonus of any Panamanian in the history of international signings. Uh, look, he is a very sure catcher. And just like any 18, 19-year-old player, he has to get better in every facet of the game. But he has a quick swing that creates a lot of power, and he can drive the baseball. And was challenged in a tough league, and he did very, very well in that league. Now, Bernal is my ninth prospect. Uh, my my uh, eighth prospect in the Cardinals organization. He's a he's a top ten prospect. Both he and Jimmy Crooks are top ten for me. I just got aggressive. I'm tired of fucking around. Uh, McGreevy's sixteen. Hanson's fifteen. Uh, I put Austin Love at twelve. That's a whole thing. I can't wait to get into. But um, I think that he has the chance to be on the same trajectory that Ivan Herrera is, but with maybe a little bit more. You know, people forget how good Ivan Herrera was at the same age against similar talent. Not exactly the same talent. Uh, and Ivan Herrera showed all of these things. It's just a matter of what happens next. Now, hopefully Bernal won't have the twenty uh, COVID shutdown that kind of halts his development and hurts his development. But look, Bernal is a, uh, especially from the left side, a sweet swinging, uh, tooled up catcher with an already mature body type that is probably a better defensive catcher now than what we saw out of 18-year-old Ivan Herrera and probably has a little bit better feel, although the stats might not show it, of what it's like to hit. Now, Bernal's different because of the switch hitting, right? We know that Bernal 
uh, because of the switch hitting, it kind of changes the whole dynamic there. But just think about that to give you an idea of how valuable he could be. If he can find continue to be effective, uh, you know, hitting from his natural side right and, you know, the switch hitting side of left, if he can continue to find that effectiveness as a switch hitting catcher that could st- that will stick as a potentially good defensive catcher, like watching him and Jimmy Crooks come up at the same time is going to be fascinating, which of course says nothing for some of the other promising catchers in the organization. So uh, look, Bernal, he comes with hype. He comes with pedigree and he's, it looks like he's going to hit on all of it. Uh, Palm beach is a whole different area. We'll see what it looks like, hopefully, at Peoria this year. Charlie Curbs says, what does Cho end? Where does Cho end the season? Winbin Cho, definitely a raw prospect, but exciting. Yeah, you know, again, look up uh, his his write-up. We uh, we love it. What what I'll say about Cho is, I don't know. Look, I'm, I, I would like, this is what I'll say. Again, my write-up of him over in the dirty for Birds on the Black is really, really simple. He's very, very good. He's athletic. He's a baseball rat. He has everything that you want out of a prospect. He's a patient hitter. He's, for me, he's he's more gap-to-gap the way that we saw Stephen Piscotty in the minors, but he's not there yet either. Uh, that sweet left-handed swing of his could be something incredibly special. There's a chance that he's a top-10 prospect in the organization uh, by the end of the year. I would not be surprised by that. To your question about uh, where does he end the season, my hope is Palm Beach. I hope he gets to spend the whole year at Palm Beach because I think it's going to be a roller coaster year for him, um, especially because it's not an easy adjustment to make. And that's a tough league with big ballparks. And he's going to get a chance to really learn how to play the outfield in advanced level. Uh, and I think that's going to be a positive for him. You know, he's a, he's a fluid athlete and he's a good outfielder for the, the complex and for the low levels of the minors, but he has to continue to improve there. And I think that that's going to be a challenge for him. I think that league is a challenge for him. The talent in that league is roller coaster esque. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes you have the the flashy international signings who throw stuff but don't have command. Sometimes you have the college pitchers who just don't have the stuff to get beyond but have the command. So it's an up and down league. So I will say he's at Palm Beach all year. Uh, that's what I would like to see. Uh, but you know, it might not be. Kareem says Walker's PD might not be great, but he's aggressive and crushes balls in the strike zone. Exactly. Like, so Kareem, now tell me if you agree with this. Do you think that maybe we're getting a little, maybe, okay. So again, this goes with taking all the stats, right? You have to look at the whole, the whole hitting profile. I think that some, we're in this kind of little spot. A lot of evaluators are in this spot where they're looking at like chase rate, maybe a little too much and not maybe necessarily pairing up chase rate with contact rate with barrel rate. Like, doesn't it kind of seem like maybe people are trying to outthink it? Like, and if I can expound on that a little bit too, like it goes back to Graceffo and his fastball, right? Like uh, Ponce talked about this in the podcast about how his, his fastball gets hit a lot. And the data shows us it does. There's a lot of contact to get it against it. And, you know, so because of that, the, the Woba and the, uh, the, the bacon of it all, um, that number makes a fastball look maybe more hittable than what it is because it's a matter of what you can do with that pitch. I guess all of this is just to say that, like, I think sometimes, to Kareem's point, 
about uh, Walker's plate discipline might not be great, but he's aggressive and crushes balls in the strike zone. I would, I think that what he does is I think it benefits him to be as aggressive as he is because of his ability to make the right kind of contact. You know, you can't say that with every hitter. I want him, I'd rather have him be more aggressive because of how he profiles, how that batted ball profile looks than be waiting for his pitch. Cause I don't think that that does him any good. I think that this, this is his best approach. And I think sometimes the numbers skew that. VHS says Jeff Ponce and Kyle Glasser had some interesting anecdotes about Michael Curiel's amateur career on the BA podcast. Any idea what happened to him in college and how he ended up in the Cardinals organization? Yeah, look, uh, so this is something that when I started now, I guess I'll need to pull back. So Curiel is one of those prospects that I've, I've begun, you know, last year I did the shrine uh, part one and part two and an argument after I did the dirty and the shrine part one was pitchers, all the pitchers I didn't get to in the dirty and the Shrine Part 2 is all the hitters. And I've, I'm about halfway through the Shrine Part 2, and Curiel is one of those guys. And I actually got into all that, so I was kind of frustrated that Ponce talked about it. It kind of broke my heart. I thought I'd be able to get into that. And let me tell you, like, this is what happened, is being a baseball player is more than just athleticism. Like, same thing with Royce Lewis. Like, Royce Lewis is a good baseball player, but when you're talking about him being the best and replacing uh, Royce Lewis, like, Royce Lewis still has a lot to learn. Like that's, it's a good baseball player and some good clay to kind of mold just like Curiel, but you know, raw power is raw power. It's not in-game power and playing the field is harder against harder talent against more advanced talent. And that's just what happened with Curiel. He just, as much athleticism as he had, as raw as his skills are, when he went up against defined skills, he struggled. Because he wasn't as advanced or as polished as those other players. Now, we know that uh, 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 Mr. Steinhorn is going to end up getting the most out of Curiel. We know he's going to get the most out of Scott and Crooks and Bernal. And we know that uh, him and his people are going to, you know, work with all of these guys. Uh, uh, Alex Iadisernia. Like, they're going to work with all of these guys to get the most out of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now, Curiel is on the... Matt Kaperniak type trajectory. Just a matter of getting the most out of that athleticism. Uh, and that's what I think. I, I, again, very long way of saying that that's just what I think. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Kareem, I cannot wait to get to your list, boy. Boy, sorry. God, the brother man, brother man to Kareem. Again, I just want to say tomorrow, Kareem and uh, um, uh, Cardinals Reeks are releasing their top 12 prospects in the Cardinals organization. Check it out to, to Kareem. To Sarah Ann, I'm going to raise my glass. What's your favorite flavor of meat? Meat is my favorite flavor of meat. Oh, boy. I almost said boy meat. Look, if I say boy meat, I mean 18 or older boy meat, okay? And even then, I don't mean that. But I mean boy meat, and that's my favorite meat. Blake Newberry says, and you're right up. On Victor Scott, you said that he has a swing made for the Cardinals hitting development staff. His swing definitely needs some work, but can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, so I guess the best way for me to put it is when the Cardinals have had a lot of success helping to engineer that left-handed swing, right? Especially like with Victor Scott, where his entire body isn't always in sync. Now, when it's in sync and when he's not opening up, because sometimes it's in sync, but he really opens up his hips. Um, you know, again, I 
I'm fat and disgusting and I'm embarrassed by it. Uh, that's why I keep huddling over here. You can't see it on YouTube, but you can see it on Twitter. Anyways, he starts opening up and he'll he'll widen his, his hips. His hips will fire and his body will open up. And when he does that, he can't get to the outside pitches. And when he does get to the outside pitches, it's weak-ass contact. So what we've seen with Nick Dunn, we've seen with Matt Kaperniak, although Kaperniak's swing is a little different, although Kaperniak does open up kind of early. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, with those left-handed bats in particular, what the Cardinals have been able to do is slight little mechanical adjustments to make the swing path more direct with encouraging in-sync motions through uh, drills and skills. And I think that's what I mean more than anything. You know, uh, I, I think that's that's going to be the key. And also the preparedness that goes into every at-bat. Because the more prepared you are within an at-bat, the more comfortable you can be with yourself and your mechanics. And I know for a fact from talking to players that that's one thing that they kind of point to, especially players who uh, have since left the Cardinals organization for various reasons or are current Cardinals major leaguers that talk about what it was like before Steinhorn and before Jeff Albert really got a chance to implement this and uh, Nicolasian, like, that is the preparedness of it all kind of plays into it. So uh, yeah, like that, that's it. That's more than anything. You know, it's funny to me. I went back and I watched Mike Antico, Blake, and you'll know this. Uh, well, I'm going to end this here in just a little bit, but we have a great, and in that podcast with Graceffa, we have a great anecdote. I asked him very quickly. I was like, did you, have you ever played against any of these players? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? He had to have played against Antico, a villain over for St. John's before Antigo tra- transferred from St. John's to Texas. And I thought, man, he had to have. So I asked and he's like, yeah, I think he stole a base off of me. So I went back and I found the stat line and lo and behold, in 2019, Gordon Graceffo walked uh, Michael Antico in Antico's second at bat against him. And then Antico stole a base off of Gordon Graceffo. So I was like, I want to go back and watch as much of Mike Antico from St. John's as I could. And it's kind of fascinating to watch how the athleticism and his swing has changed. To Kareem's point a little earlier, like, I think that I think that the Cardinals would do well to maybe archive some of that video from St. John's because I think he had more raw power in his old swing than he has now. I think I think what we see now is a swing again. That's that is trying to create loft without leverage sometimes. Although we saw that change at the end of the year, but uh, I'm just getting out of my, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent to say about Victor Scott, like what they will do is they will find the way to prepare him within an at bat and to make his motions more. Uh, God, I'm, I'm missing the word uh, more deliberate. And I think that's what you will see. It's not always necessary. Like with Nick Dunn, Nick Dunn didn't change mechanics. It was just about getting him streamlined and allowing his body to work in sync and having his plan at the plate more fundamental than maybe a little bit more guessing. Uh, Matt Stromer says, excited about Yingling. Yes or no, go cards. Yes, I am. To you, Matt Stromer. To you, Blake. To Cream. To Sarah. To VHS. To everybody who's participated. Cardinals Gifts, I love you, bud. Uh, to everybody who participated on uh, Prospects After Dark, I can't wait for Yingling. The first time I see it, we'll be drinking it during Prospects After Dark. To all of my pad people, I raise my glass. And that's it for me. Look, I don't have anything else to say. 
Uh, again, I guess the last thing I'll say is how we kind of started this. You know, it's been an incredible honor for me these last couple weeks, these last couple months, to take part in the things that I've been able to take part in. Between winter warm-up, I'm going to take these off. Between winter warm-up, uh, between being on 101, between a podcast with Matt Pauly through KMOX, uh, having some cocktails with Tom Ackerman, talking to players uh, personally, talking to Cardinals executives uh, personally, uh, I, like talking to the people I'm able to talk to, scouts in other organizations, scouts in the Cardinals organization, um, uh, national evaluators. These last couple months have really been like surreal, legitimately surreal. And uh, yesterday was a, quite a high point getting to interview Gordon Graceffo with two people that I highly respect in Blake Newberry and Jason Hill after being on 101 ESPN uh, with two people that I highly respect in Tanner and BK. I, uh, this is, this has gotten out of hand, this prospects after dark thing, this birds on the black, this prospect stuff. And I am humbled and honored to have that opportunity. And, uh, the audience helps create that. So to all of you, I'm incredibly thankful and humbled. And just remember that we're all in this together. Like, uh, as I see Kareem ask, I'm gonna do some squinting. Do you think Jose Suarez plays in Palm beach? I do. Could you see him force his way similar to Bernal? I do. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, Kareem. And I can't fucking wait to see it. Uh, but I feel like we're having this opportunity now for the first time to cultivate some type of connectiveness between a lot of what might otherwise be viewed as in the past had been viewed as like competing things between Kareem and Blake and Brian Walton and then Jeff Ponce and uh, uh, Eric Longenhagen and all of these people and myself to be able to be a part of a community that is creating dialogue and bettering each other and the understanding of what a prospect is and how we should view prospects and what's fair and what's not, but also educating and pushing each other's thought process in it all. I've never enjoyed this as much as I am enjoying it now. And it's because of you. And it's not just because of the things that I've reaped the benefits of being a part of winter warmup and, and 101 and the, the KMOX podcast and 590 and all of that, like 590, those guys rock all of them. Uh, Nate and Seth and Charlie and the cat and uh, uh, Cam and, uh, you know, Bob Ramsey and uh, 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 David Solomon, like they've all been awesome, but it's like what we have now, I think is a great prospect environment centered around the Cardinals that has been cultivated. And I get to be a part of that between what Kareem and Reeks are doing and Blake and then Tehran, who used to do it. And now is a, he has a job with an organization. He's a consultant for an organization. I love what's going on right now. I'm honored to be a part of it. And I feel like I got to be a part of cultivating that with all of these people. And to see Brian Walton take part in it means a lot to me. And I think it's really fucking awesome. And I think we're only going to get better. We're only going to have a better understanding and a better picture of what all these prospects are because now we are finally doing it together. And that gets me fired the fuck up. And you know what? You created that through pad, the, the pad audience and Twitter, the Twitter pad and the birds on the black pad and the birds on the black Twitter created that. And that gets me fired up because when we're pushing each other to be better in a critical but loving manner, that's when we achieve things. We really achieve it. And I think we're getting there. And that's fucking awesome.
So again, uh, just one little heartfelt message at the end of a random pad on a February Thursday night in February, uh, just to say again uh, to all of my people, Stu Styles, the birds on the black people, all my birds on the black people. Ben Cerruti will be doing his projections, and just a little bit, Stu will be giving us those game recaps uh, uh, with with gifts. And we love Enchil. And if I would could do anything, I would kill to get Tara and Alex to do a chirps. Uh, I'm so privileged to be a part of that group. You know, Cardinals off day, the Bens, we love them. Uh, again, Viva Alberta with Jason and John LaRue and Blake and uh, Scooter Simon. Like, I love all of those people. And then my boy Kareem here says, I love you, Kyle. You're truly the best. Can't thank you enough. No, again, I can't thank you enough, man. I can't thank you enough for all that you've done. You're doing great. Keep it up. Keep pushing. Keep learning. Keep pushing me. I love it, man. I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. But to be able to like, again, everybody rocks. And I love the culture we have right now around Cardinals prospects. And Kareem, you're helping create that. So just keep doing it. And uh, to, to all the pad people, all the birds on the black people, uh, you're the ones who make this. Uh, so to, to you, I raise my glass. And that's it. That's all I have for you on a Thursday night. This was a great episode of Pad. You guys rock. Uh, if you watched this, you were part of the resistance. To everybody at Prospects After Dark, everybody at Birds on the Black, I raise my. I'm pretty uh, pretty new to this stuff. Trying my best to get better every day. This is only the start. That's right, bud. You learn more and more. And you know, Kareem, you're only like what 2021. 20, you're you're miles ahead of where I was at that age. Miles ahead of where I was at at that age. Just keep learning. Keep pushing yourself. You know, uh, where I am at my worst is when I stop asking myself, what am I getting wrong? I, and I don't know if you're like, I don't know. You really haven't gotten much wrong. But the recommendation I make to everyone when I was in Little League coach to my guys at work, you know, as a foreman of a concrete crew, as a, a construction crew, what am I doing wrong? What can I do next? That Just keep doing that. And don't let me stop doing that. Because I'm at my worst when I stop doing that. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for everything. And to Gifts, who does the cheers. Gifts, baby, we haven't heard from you much tonight, but I love you. Again, I, the, the last thing I'll say before uh, we, we put an end to this, before I tell you happy hunting, is I would not be doing any of this without Cardinals Gifts. This would be over. I would have stopped doing this a long time ago. I only like doing the dirty to inform and to have these conversations. And because Gifts gets to take a part of it. And when I provide this stuff, on the website, I know it makes him happy, and that makes me happy because he's a brother from another mother, and uh, I am forever in debt to his role in my life. So to gifts, to everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, I raise my glass. If you watch this, you're a part of the resistance. Eric T. And that's all I got. Happy hunting, family. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Check out the dirty uh, over at Birds on the Black. I'm really proud of it. Give it a look. Uh, tell me what you think. And uh, also check out 101, BK and Ferrario. Look that up. Listen to that. Uh, at, uh, noon on Wednesday, maybe the highlight of my life. Uh, and also Matt Pauly, Cardinals Conversations. Look, I I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. I love you guys. Take it easy. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. We live. We live. We on that YouTube. I don't know why this happens, but here we are again at the end of a perfect hour.
We at the end of a prospects after dark, and we vibing, we vibing. Cardinal Gift says we vibing, we vibing, we vibing, we vibing. You guys rock! I love you. That's it. I got nothing else.